a live from different locations throughout the DMV, and this is the Neighborish Livecast. Welcome. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible, and as always, I'm joined by two of the most interesting people in the District of Columbia, or in the DMV area, excuse me. Uh, first of all, the personal trainer and fitness guru, Miss Fit herself, our own Fruit local Fit. dose of feminine energy, Miss Patrice Jones. Yes. And hello, hello. hey, and the DMV. Oh, sorry, DC's native son. Thank you. The SE3 representative, Jay Sun. Hey, hey. The team, how you guys doing? <laughs> and today we got a great show. It's our salute to mothers. And because it is our salute to mothers, we have two very special guests with us today. My mom. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> Hi. Yoshiko Cookie Johnson and Jason's mom. Introduce yeah. your mom, Jay. Uh, I don't have a cool introduction. I hey, thought... girl. This this is my mom. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> and and, uh, and Patrice is, of course, a mom herself. And so we yes. have these different perspectives of mothers today. We're going to talk about a lot of things surrounding motherhood, um, how it changes you, the different things that you go through being a mother. Uh, we're looking forward to getting, getting into all of that because yesterday was Mother's Day. And uh, hey. uh, before I get into all the stuff that's, uh, that we're going to talk about, I just want to ask you guys, did you all have a good Mother's Day? Yes. Yes. It was yes. Very nice. Great. 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 That's terrific. So um, we got a lot to talk about, like I said. But first, we always talk about uh, some of the things that are going on in the city, in the country, in the world. We like to get perspectives on different things. Um, this week, a lot has happened since we've been on last uh, with the coronavirus. Um, you know, um, it's running rampant still, even though states and the government is really pushing to open back a lot of things. You know, um, it seems a little premature, in my opinion, just because there's still a lot of people getting sick. The levels aren't really dropping as, as fast as they would like it to. And um, I just want to, you know, we talk about, we have talked about this almost uh, every week since we came back, just because it's been a huge topic. But um, I just want to, um, um, you know, get you guys' perspective on this issue. Like, uh, uh, it, it's got to be something that you guys have never seen. It's an unprecedented precedented situation, excuse me. Uh, my mom's staring at me. It's got me a little nervous. But anyway. Uh, no, don't they still make you nervous? I know what it is. Yeah, what is I don't this? know. It's weird. <laughs> but, uh, mom has special powers. Just act like I'm not even here, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to turn your camera off. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But, um, but yeah, I did want to um, get you guys. Uh, Miss Green and Mom, talk you guys. I'm bad, okay? Huh? You said what? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about you, bad. I'm not going to give away your secrets. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, I just want to get you guys' perspective on it. Like, um, seeing something like the coronavirus, something that nobody's ever seen. Um, Mom, like, what, what is your take on this whole thing? Like, uh, the whole situation? Well, the whole situation is really sad, you know, but in reality, it's God's word. You know, this is what's written in the Bible, that things are going to happen and transpire through our lives. But we have to understand that we have an administration that does not take this real realistically. We have the White House where they're not wearing the mask, but now they have people that are infected there. Yeah. And now you have some that are wearing masks. You have the vice president now who is quarantined himself. And, you know, the president has really got to face reality that this is no joke. But, you know, um, as my mom always says, you know, 
You don't believe things happen until they really happen. And when it happens to you, it makes a big difference. But now that it's getting close to home with the White House, they're really going to have to really take hold and understand what's really going on because um, people are dying. Yeah. And that's no joke. Not in just, you know, one or two. There are hundreds, thousands of people that have died and that are still dying. And now we're talking about the children, the children that have a part of this pandemic, uh, a different phase of it, but it's still part of it. And we've got children dying. Okay. And we really have to face reality on this and really take hold and understand that we must wear these masks and, and be safe with each other and distance each other. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Miss Joey, how is, um, how has your life changed, uh, based on this? Or has it changed at all? Like difference in like the day to day things that you do? It certainly has changed, uh, because I have to adhere to the guidelines. Uh, I never did go out a whole lot, but it's changed where I go. I used to go to the gym twice a week and I can't go there in church. Church has changed, Definitely. you know, especially. So yes, can't, can't go to church anymore, even though we've had drive-in, drive-through church. But uh, that has changed significantly, and also there's been like a heaviness with yeah. this coronavirus yeah. thing, it? that has kind of enveloped the earth, mm -hmm. I'd say. And so, uh, and I think that we're all dealing with that. Definitely, definitely. So, well, well, with the gym part of it, we got uh, Miss Fruitfit here. She does. Uh, no shortage of water. Well, apparently not. <laughs> a little parts, just a little parts. She just did her workout, she so she got. She didn't pull out the workout bottle. She pulled out the family. Fifty-nine cent at Lytle. Oh, okay. You said fifty-nine cent. I'm going yep, over the light. Oh, oh, that's right. tap water right this there. Is, that's tap water. That, <laughs> it, it might it might be a little hose water. I ain't never heard of smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> you should take us back. Right. Yes. So the other big story. It story might taste a little different now, though. Yeah, it yeah. is a little. Yeah. <laughs> the other big story that's been dominating the news, of course, for the past week, the country's been gripped by the news of the slaying of the young man, Ahmad Arbery, um, you know, according to police officials, uh, when former police detective Gregory McMichaelson and his son Travis saw Arbery jogging through his neighborhood in Satilla Shores, Georgia, Travis allegedly told his son, he's running up the street now, come on. The two men, armed with guns, hopped in their white pickup truck and began to pursue Arbery. Upon catching up to him, they passed him and blocked his path, um, at which time a third person recording from a dash cam pulls up. The video, which has been posted by radio stations and shared nationally by TMZ and other uh, news outlets, shows Aubrey making an attempt to run around the truck to avoid the gentleman when he's confronted by one of them uh, holding a shotgun. At that time, an altercation pursues and Aubrey is mortally wounded and collapsed. Now, um, the video is real difficult to watch. Like, I didn't even want to watch it. The only reason I did was in research, you know, for this. Uh, to make sure I had all the facts. I didn't want to, you know, say anything. I don't like to report on anything that I don't, you know, have the facts on. But um, it, it's, it's, it's really tough to, to look at. And the crazy thing about it is this incident actually happened in February. And so the outcry that's coming out about it now is just out because the video was released. So, um, you know, kudos, first of all, to whoever 
release the video because they knew that that outpour would pressure the district attorney in that area and other officials to make moves because there was no arrest. There wasn't even really an investigation going on until, you know, the public outcry came out. So, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, first of all, uh, the media and social media's hand in, in moving the, the chains of justice. And we've talked about this, Jason, before on the show about how it can be instrumental. Um, but it seems to be that, um, I'm trying to remember who I heard say that, uh, um, wickedness can only exist under the cover of darkness. And so the social media seems to be, um, with all this fails and ills, it seems to be a beacon of light that's helping to kind of shed light on a lot of these issues and make things, uh, move a little better. Have you guys noticed that? Well, it's making the move, you know, better, but it's still a problem. It's still a problem. Yeah. This is one of many incidents that yeah. um, we have heard about, but there are so many more out there that have not been discussed or brought to light. And that concerns me because what's done in the dark will come to light, but it's taking too long. Yeah. It's taking yeah. too long. This never should have happened um, with this length of time before they actually made a decision to arrest these people. They sh this should have been done back in February when this man was killed, yeah. not here in May when they decide, okay, yeah, well, there's been a problem. Now there's been protests. Now we must do something to kind of <laughs> break it down a little bit so it won't be any more killings or protests. But the damage is done. You can't yeah. bring that child back. Exactly. You can't bring it back, you know, and something really needs to be done about it. But as long as we have the administration in the White House and their um, racist thoughts, this is going to continue. That's true. That's true. Mom Johnson, 2020. She's running for president, y'all. Cash. Well, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> not in this lifetime. <laughs> no, but um, but you brought you brought about a good point because researching this really made me think about um some of the other cases, uh, some of the other things that have happened over the past couple of years, and how it's interesting how you don't really hear a lot about them. The the young man that the police officer came into the house said she thought she was in the wrong apartment. And she shot him. She was convicted, but they were, um, you know, appealing it. And the main suspect, or the main, I'm sorry, witness in that case, I don't know if you guys know, he was shot and killed. Um, and this is under suspicious circumstances, yeah. too. So, and but that case kind of died away. And then also um, the young lady who was standing in her house and the cop shot her through the window. Yeah. You know, the... Um, oh, I don't know if that... pharmaceutical company. She yeah. worked for a pharmaceutical company? Yep, she's pre-med. She works on for a pharmaceutical company. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and see, so mm -hmm. information about these, do, do any of you know what happened with that case? Because I feel like it just kind of died away, right? Like, they didn't really follow it any any longer. No, they squashed it. I know the cop mm -hmm. was fired, but uh, as for legal action being taken against them, I don't think, uh, I don't think, I don't know if anything happened. There you go. <laughs> you said what? <laughs> I guess you really would really would have to do some serious investigation in order to follow up on that because they have pretty much hushed hushed there's so many things that they they've hushed hushed on that um you can't even find information on it because they don't want to talk about it but it's newsworthy it's an everyday thing it's newsworthy yeah and, it, and it's crazy that it is an everyday it seems to be almost an everyday occurrence now it's always new video of uh 
you know, of some young black man being either accosted or, or like in this case, mortally wounded by, you know, um, someone, uh, a, a white person. And it's, you know, it's not really being prosecuted. It's not really being, you know, uh, looked at uh, to the fullest extent. Um, it's, it's in, in this age, in 2020, does the, does the video help, you know, in any way? Does the video, I mean, besides knowing that this, these things are happening, um, it seems like they can, you know, make assertions about the video. Like they said that Donald Trump even said that the video of, of Aubrey getting shot doesn't tell the whole story. And it's like, how can a video not, you know, you see what's happening. So uh, is video enough in 2020? Not all answer at once, you know. No, I'm just <laughs> you got to pick somebody, Dave. Oh, okay. I'm the moderate, Jay. Then, what do you think? Is video enough? Uh, is video enough for what? Uh, to to get convictions to to have the truth be known in America. Yeah. <clears throat> Hell no. Like in the video, don't mean nothing. Is... You know, all of our problems. Um, Mom is saying your camera's off. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't, still, I don't know what I here. did or what I'm doing. I had a call that was coming through on my phone, but uh, duh. I okay, I'll get it for you. Go ahead, Jay. Go ahead and finish your statement. Uh, what was I saying? Well, no, nah, it was just a simple simple no. No, video does not matter, and I don't think it'll be effective in causing any you know, significant change in how uh, the, the country addresses this relationship with minority, well, I ain't gonna say minority, well, I guess we minorities in this particular country, but no, I don't think video means anything, because it hasn't really worked. I mean, I mean, it, I don't know. What you got, Mom? I, I do think videos do have an effect. They do have an effect, but they, you know, they don't change the whole thing that, that's happening, because they come up with other things, but videos do matter, and, and they show what has happened now what correspondingly happens after that it doesn't change everything but i do believe the videos do matter significantly yeah i think the videos are also strategically used to uh you know to to, to keep showing dead black bodies too it's like you know every time like they should do mike brown uh did you turn it around like three hours in the heat and like 90 degrees like why I keep showing that over and over again why I keep showing the dude uh, I think his name was Mr. Bird that got shot in South Carolina in the back when he was running away from the cops like why what's the point of showing black death over and over and over again you know so I think you know from, from my perspective it's strategic because there's no need to see I haven't even watched the video of, of the latest brother in Georgia, because it's like, I don't, for what? Like, why do I need to see his body die? Like, right. I know what happened. Like, you know, it's just a repetitious visual in your subconscious over and over and over again. And I think that's strategic, why media outlets let that happen and why certain people you never see die. I know several white people that have been murdered and there have been tapes, but either the family or whoever handles that case does not let the tape get leaked and it doesn't become viral. Right. So like, but every time it's us, it's on the news, it's on the front page of the newspaper, it's a million views on YouTube. But I know several occasions where, you know, white people have been murdered or, or died and there's been video, but whoever surrounds that family or person or case 
like the video of the body is never shown and also there's no circulation of the video via social media yeah that's true that's true so yeah we got mom back on hey mom um oh, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, but no, it is a, um, a serious, and I was just gonna, you kind of answered the question, Jay, I was gonna ask if you think it's a more strategic thing, you know, uh, to kind of keep that depiction of us um, basically being dominated, you know, prevalent. Yeah, I mean, cause you know, if you study old slave codes and conditioning of the human mind, mm -hmm. like that's a technique that I studied in college. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, if you want people to have fear or if you want mm -hmm. to instill a certain type of authority over another group of people, like, you know, you, you show them being dominated over and over. Same thing with Hollywood and television programming. Like, we always, you know, well, well as of late, we've kind of taken a, a little bit more control than we have in the past. But typically, you know, the media is just used for uh, uh, social engineering and, and, and you know, uh, showing a, a paternal relationship with people of color, with, you know, uh, European Americans. And so, you know, I think it carries over into events like this also. Definitely, definitely. So um, yeah. we can talk about this and the impact of it for, uh, for hours, but I want to move along um, a little bit just to talk about, um, you know, uh, we lost a lot of people. Uh, just over the past couple of days, it's been. Hold uh, on, Dave. Hold oh. on, Dave. Okay. Tamika, Tamika Love Jones says. Oh, you got Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. And, uh, great job raising strong, articulate men. Oh. Well, thank I don't you. think that's to us, though, Dave. That's to our moms. So it's it's us through our moms. So thank Is you, that, Tamika. Did we count on that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, sure. I'm sorry, Dave, but I, no, I don't no want her comment was leaving. I didn't want to forget it. No problem, no problem. And yeah, anytime you have a relevant comment, you know what to do. Uh, yeah, but yeah I'm just, uh, talking about but you our know. parents don't know how, how we interact, Dave. I don't want it's to... okay, but, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, they, they, they've been around for a while, they know how to adjust. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been a lot of uh, deaths recently. Of you know, um, a lot of famous. We actually just heard this morning that um. Jerry, the comedian Jerry Stiller, who was on Seinfeld, he played George's father on Seinfeld. He passed away um, wow. late last night or early this morning. Yeah, and so, but um, more more directly in the in the African American community, we lost some um, some some pretty much juggernauts of uh, juggernauts. Did I say that? anyway? Of um, you know, uh, anyway, of the uh, comedy. I mean, I'm sorry, of the music community. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the contributions of Little Richard. You know, and uh, all that he did and sacrificed. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, would constantly... And you know what I noticed in researching this one? I noticed watching some of his clips, his interviews. Uh, most specifically, he did an interview with David Letterman in 1984 where he was... Man, that was so real. ...was making these claims, though. But did you notice Man. that the um, the audience was kind of... They were laughing at some of the stuff that he was saying. Like, they kind of felt like it was a bit because of his flamboyance and stuff. But he was being serious about how tough his life was as a black man coming up. And they kind of took it. So, you know, I mean, it just shows that, you know, um, they necessarily don't know how to take us, even, you know, in the serious. And, and he talked about kind of having to be that character to be more accepted, you know, um, in that time to kind of be non-threatening and things of that nature, which, which is tough to think that you have to dull yourself down to be accepted by the masses. Um, uh, but, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about his life. So um, uh, his name was Richard Wayne Penniman. But, uh, you know, he was, of course, known as Little Richard. He was a singer, a songwriter, a musician from Macon, Georgia. 
um, and an influential figure in pop music and pop culture for seven decades. The raspy, shouted vocals over frantic piano played and backed by pounding drums would be uh, would become what's known now as rock and roll, uh, a music style that will become one of the defining characteristics of America. And you know, it's one of the three main defining characteristics. So it's rock and roll, apple pie, and racism. Oddly enough, I didn't know that that was one of them. As uh, yeah, yeah. No, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, seriously. But um, but just listening and researching, um, you know, uh, Little Richard and seeing that. He gave a lot of great acts their start. They started touring with him. People like Jimi Hendrix, Otis Redding, James Brown, Billy Preston, Mick Jagger, and even the Beatles started out touring with him when they came over. And uh, that's how they kind of uh, built their, you know, their reputation. His, uh, on Wikipedia, his discography lists 26 albums between 1957 and 1992. He has a laundry list of hits, including Lucille, Good Golly, Miss Molly, uh, Long Tall Sally and his signature hit Tutti Frutti, uh, which was released in 1955. He's a huge impact. People are still sampling his music. People are still listening to his music, and uh, he will, of course, be sorely missed. Uh, so, you know, rest in peace to uh, Little Richard. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, uh, you know, Mom and Mr. Green, if you remember any specific things about uh, Little Richard, or you know, of course, later in his days, you guys, you know, you went around back when he was starting out, but you know, in his later years. <laughs> Do you remember, you know, any, any specific memories of him or his music? Well, I danced to it a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> and, you know, um, grew up with that. And, you know, he was a, a influential person with music. But what influenced me more was that he stood his ground in letting people know how much he was taken advantage of as an entertainer and how he was not able to uh, establish his masters or any of his music to be able to have his own, his own name, because everybody used him, used, like you said, his sampling his music and, not him, and him not getting paid for it. Right. He mm -hmm. needed that, just like every other entertainer, in order to survive. When you take things away from someone, they lose some of their prestige, but this man spoke his mind. He spoke from his heart, and he put his voice out there to make it known that others can step on this and be able to get their masters or get their recognition in the way that they should. And I'm thankful to him for him to be that, that founding person to be able to do that for other entertainers, especially black entertainers, for them to be able to be established and not lose what's actually theirs. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. Yeah. So, um, so anything to add to that, Miss Green? Or no, I don't remember him that much. I do remember his music. Okay. You know, I think all of us during that time frame remember his music, but I don't really know him that much. Okay. Understood. Understood. I have a story, Jane. Oh, okay. Jason, I, I, for, I always forget that Jason is 73 years old. Go ahead, Jay. Talk yeah, about the You keep forgetting, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, but just two significant points about Little Richard. Just even in, the, in that one interview when he's talking about how uh, his record company wouldn't allow him to perform like a regular man. Yeah. They was like, he had to doll up, put the makeup on and right. the hair and the eyelashes. Right. Like, then they would allow him to perform. But he was like, when he wanted to perform as his regular self, 
they wouldn't allow him to do shows. They wouldn't allow him to right. record. So he had to, in order for him to record or to perform, they forced him to put on the the, the androgynous because, mm. you know, that, that fear of, like, those white girls in that crowd falling for a black man. Exactly. On mm. So, you yeah. know, the, the effeminization, I think if that's a word, that of, of black men has gone. Mm. <laughs> People think back. it's like now, but it's like, nah, they was like, nah, you can only mm. sing if you're dressed up like and a woman. Mm. So right. I, th I thought that was significant. And that he said that in 1962 on the David Letterman show. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, mm. you know what I'm saying? He was going hard with that. And, uh, and the other tidbit of information about Little Richard is that I believe it's a it's a it's an urban legend that Michael Jackson got all of the rights right. to Little Richard's music and gave yes. it to him for free. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He would do yes. stuff like that. That's super duper gangster. Yeah, people don't know how like uh how much Mike contributed to uh to Yeah, I mean he did that for a lot of people, but Little Richard was significant because he has so much influence. He recognized like, yeah, Mike recognized Beatles, yeah. James Brown, Billy Preston. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, so for him to yeah. not own his stuff, and it contributed right. to so right. many other genres mm. of people. So Michael Jackson was an OG for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's a, uh, and Mike uh, has done mm. a lot of things that we consider gangster. Like, uh, I, don't, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've heard the story, the story that, um, uh, uh, what's the comedian, Eddie, Eddie Griffin told about him with um, Paul McCartney and the Beatles. And how uh, him and Paul, uh, Mike and Paul McCartney were close, and they were working on music together. They were shooting a video for a song, and in casual conversation, Mike's just asking Paul McCartney, "Hey, if you were to, because Paul McCartney, of course, uh, was one of the architects of the Beatles sound, so he owned a lot of their stuff. I think all of it. So Mike asked him, you know, if if you were to sell the Beatles stuff, uh, you know, how much would you sell it for? And they said Paul McCartney. That's your Michael out, voice day. Yeah, yeah, that was on Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and they said Paul McCartney threw out like just a number, just being, you know, in conversation. He's like like 53 million or something like that. And so Mike was like, okay. And they went on about the song, and uh, Paul McCartney had no idea that that day Mike went home and called his people and bought the Beatles masters from up under him. Yes. And so from that day on, Paul McCartney and Mike had a, a, a rift between them, and they said. Paul McCartney yes. went back to him and said, I didn't know you were going to you buy all the stuff. And, and Mike's response was, well, you said 53 and I gave you 55 million. You know, so that was his response for it. So, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, just, Mike. just uh, you know, being able to have that, just because of how much, you know, the Beatles, uh, their, their repertoire was so huge. And a lot of stuff they took from artists, because, of course, they followed the Muddy Waters and, the, you know, a lot of the black artists who, uh, yes. who really contributed to their sound, but they don't get credit for it. So, you know, Michael Jackson did a lot for, uh, for, for mm -hmm. our artists, you know, a lot yeah, more. Shout out to Michael Jackson, Jackson just because. Just right? because. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, with, with entertainers like that, especially with Michael Jackson, because he had, he had a phenomenal mind. Yeah. And he did a lot of things, like you said before, that really attributed to a lot of great things happening now. But you know, with us as a culture and us as a black people, that we're always gonna have that one foot that's gonna be on our neck to kind of hold us down. But if we continue to be strong and steadfast and not fight one another for what we have, but to share what we have, we'll be a better culture because we, we have to stop trying to be like crabs in a basket. Every time one gets up trying to get out, we've got others that's pulling us back. We have to let go and let us have our talents out there and move forward and help one another. And that only doesn't help the person that 
is building up, but it helps everyone. Everybody has a stepping stool that they can step up on and show their talent and put forth what they know and what they can do and be applauded for it. There you go. Mom Johnson, 2020. I told you she's running for now. <laughs> oh, you know, I keep forgetting this is not my radio station. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, one of the pioneer voices uh, from the South, uh, Betty Wright, the singer. She passed away, um, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, she was 66 years old. And, um, and How old was she? 66. Wow. She was 66. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a phenomenal voice. I was uh, listening to some of her older stuff, and I was, like, listening to the level. Because, you know, I work with a lot of singers. And so, and Jay, you have too. And, and just listening to the level of control and skill that she display, displayed on her uh, 1968 debut album, uh, My First Time Around, no one would have guessed that she was only 14 years old, like belting out those strong, mature vocals mm. at that time. For, for a 14-year-old girl, that was, uh, you know, unprecedented. So uh, her, na- her um, real name was Bessie Regina Norris, but she's better known, of course, as, as Betty Wright. And she even wrote songs on that first album, including a song entitled uh, Circle of Heartbreaks, uh, which was the tale of a woman caught in a cycle of love and betrayal by a man who uh, takes the fact that she's bound by her love for him for granted. And that's such an adult concept. And she was, you know, at 14 years old to, uh, to you know, to write something like that. It was amazing. And uh, she went on through her uh, career to do amazing things uh, with with music. She uh, had a huge comeback in the 80s with her single, uh, what was the name of mine? We were talking about it earlier. Uh, I'm trying to find my notes here. Clean Up Woman. Uh, she did the Clean Up Woman in, in, the, uh, in the 70s. And no then in 88, no she had No Pain, No Gain. Yeah, there you go. No Pain, No, no, no Gain, okay. I found it. Yep. And, uh, yeah. and she worked with, um, uh, more recently, she's worked with Puffy on making the band. She uh, worked with uh, the Roots Quest Love to produce her last album that came out in 2011, entitled Betty Wright: The Movie, which featured, uh, you know, features from people like Josh Stone, Snoop Dogg, and Lil Wayne. Um, so she was a huge, and and I'm finding out a lot more prominent in the South um, than anywhere. But um, just her impact on music was amazing. And like I said, she passed away yesterday at her home, and said she was surrounded by friends and family. Um, it was at her home in Miami. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace to Betty Wright. And um, also, just real quick, wanted to touch on uh, the young man, Andre Harrell, who you were talking about um, Betty Wright being 66. Harrell was 59 years old. And they said he, um, yeah, he died of heart problems. I think, you know, um, it's interesting that none of them, uh, the, you know, that none of the stories mention coronavirus at all. So that's, you know, but uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, he had heart issues. Um, Andre Harrell was uh, was a rapper. He started his career after him and his best friend um, started a, a rap group called uh, Mr. Uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, excuse me, and uh, back in the '80s, and they had a couple of hits. But it was when he started working with CEO Russell Simmons, and after two years became vice president of Def Jam. Uh, that he really gained prominence in the music industry. Uh, then he left and started Uptown Records, where he's credited with discovering some of the greatest acts of that era, including Guy, Heavy D and the Boys, Father MC, Jodeci, Mary J. Blige, I'll Be Sure, and a young intern by the name of Sean Combs that would, of course, become P. Diddy. Um, it's said that Harrell was instrumental in discovering Biggie also. 
Um, his immense success in the 90s led to television and movie deals, which brought, you know, stuff like New York Undercover, which was a classic show, and uh, the movie Strictly Business with Halle Berry and Tommy Davidson. Uh, since those days, he had been working with uh, P. Diddy on Revolt TV, P. Diddy's television station. And uh, like I said, it said he passed away um, the day before yesterday at 59 of heart problems. So um, he was a huge influence on the hip-hop community. And, and, and another person that will be missed. It's like the, the deaths are just coming kind of back to back over the past couple of days. It's been, uh, it's been you know, crazy. I just heard that Siegfried, I mean, uh, what's his name, Roy from Siegfried and Roy passed away the other day too. Yeah, so it's just been a lot of, a lot of people. So, um, you know, I don't want to dwell on, it was a lot of people, it was a lot of death. I don't really like to dwell on it too much. But, um, but yeah, I just want to talk about it a little bit at least. So um, moving on to a little bit of a lighter topic. And this is one that I think would be interesting to get the perspectives of everyone on. Uh, MSNBC. Hold up, hold up, Dave. What's up? Hold up, Dave. <laughs> Man, it's a, it seems to be like an energy or something going on with, like, with all these deaths. I don't, you know, it's, it's typically, you know, when we do the show, like, because we do a weekly show, right, we can kind of, like, monitor you know, social, uh, uh, I guess, current events per se. Yeah. But it's like, yo, it's been a lot of deaths. Yeah, yeah, hey, yes. You know, uh, do we just gloss over that? Or it's like, well, you think this is, and especially like with all of the stuff that's going on in the world, where people's mentalities are at, like how my mother was like, this seems to be like this heaviness. That's exactly what I was going to say. You, think, yeah. you, know, yeah. you think that yeah. may have some type of contribute that people just like, you know what, I'm tired of this. Well, I mean, I don't, and you know, it's not necessary to be tired of it, you know, but um, uh, like I always say, um, mourning like the death or the loss of anything is a process. And so uh, the process is as long for the individual as it needs to be. And so in this day and age where everything happens so fast, we got the coronavirus, we got the killer hornets, we got the, you know, this happening, people getting shot by the police and all this, we don't really have time to digest and process a lot of stuff. So even, you know, um, even death, unless it's, you know, someone close to you, I think we got into a point where it kind of loses its its thing. I remember even with celebrities, you know, uh, even if you didn't know them personally, like for me personally, I remember um, when Tupac was murdered, I was at Eastern High School and there was a young, a young girl who had to leave like she couldn't take it like she had never met Tupac but she just broke down it was because you know he's such an influence but I don't think we have the time now young people hear about oh that person died oh that's crazy what's on the radio you know isn't that they don't really have the time to process and kind of deal with their feelings I don't know um what kind of effect that has on people's mentality um I, I wonder if it yeah what do you think Patrice so you know I'm a little way left and I just I've been sitting back, really processing all of this. Um, I don't know if you guys remember us talking about this before, but when um, the whole pandemic started, um, at the beginning of it, for the first 30, I would say 30 to 45 days, if you remember your timelines, no one was talk about, talking about race relations. Exactly. There was nothing, there was no mm -hmm. black anything, no police brutality, mm -hmm. there was mm -hmm. none of that stuff. I mean, even from like on Instagram, I, follow, I try to follow conscious minds. Nobody was talking about any of that for like 30 to 45 days. And then 
all of a sudden, and I'm going to tell you when it started, it was when the Surgeon General got on TV and said, Big Mama, Big Papa, Black people need to stop drinking so they don't get coronavirus. And yeah. then you saw social media shift back, shift back to talking about race mm-hmm. relations. And I'm going to take mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you guys seen, um, there are many series and many movies that depict what we're going through right now because everything that we're going through always everything that we're going through in the United States was already written. They, they already yes. know what's going to happen. Yes. And so um, the, the series Containment, there's a series called Containment. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. literally moment by moment what's going on right now. And it's a Netflix series. And it's, it, it was filmed April to July, where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And in that series, in that series, um, he wasn't the Surgeon General, but there was a black guy that they used as a token spokesperson. Mm-hmm. And he got on, and he said, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they, the CDC, the lady from the CDC in the containment series, spoke that she wanted him to be the person. Right. Uh, and he got up there and talked to everybody. When I watched that, it wasn't but a week later that the Surgeon General, the United States Surgeon General, got up there and said the words, Big Mama and Papa and the yeah. Black community, and I was sitting there, and me and uh, me and my guy looked at each other, and we were like, "Oh my God, we just talked about this! Like <laughs> we just watched this." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you saw your timeline shift, right? Mm. Yeah. And then when I saw when I saw the, I, I by the way, I don't watch any videos of any murders. I don't. I. I I just don't. I think a lot of we have to be mindful, and this is where I'm going. We have to be mindful of if everything that is going on was already written, it's already Hollywood already talked about it. There've been a series about it, Um, even to Miss Cookie's point, the Bible's already they already know what's going to happen. Um, We have to be mindful of the things that are sent into our. Um, you know, into social media is one dimension that are sent to penetrate our three to five dimensional minds and mm-hmm. our spirits. And so you have all of these deaths happening, but there it's like they're right in the forefront. And to your point, Dave, nobody's talking about Corona. Nobody said, mm-hmm. oh, you got, you, we talked about four or five people that died, but nobody mentioned you know, all of these young people passed and they didn't say, oh, well, we wonder if it was from or, you know, that sort of thing. So we have to be very mindful of the videos, the deaths and everything that are coming into mm-hmm. our coming into our dimension and coming into our foresight, our, 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 you know, the forefront of our, our thoughts um, and how we move and how we allow our thinking to be shifted. And the fact that there's this placebo opening up of the country at the same time. Um, so I've just been sitting back and processing, but I really think to um, to Jay's point that there's a very, um, for lack of a better word, there's a very eerie um, feeling and uh, a notion about like how everything's happening right now. We're, we're in the midst of something and I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, that uncertainty is definitely an eerie feeling. And I think that's what it is. Like, there's no, um, as as much as it's been written, and it's interesting that you said that. I was just talking to a friend of mine about uh, the the Fast and the Furious movie that came out, Hobbs and Shaw. And I just watched it last yeah. night. And, and they were, you know, it was very, like, while it was an action movie and it was fun and it was silliness and stuff, 
a lot of the plot was based on a virus that was out there that was a biological warfare chemical virus that was going to be released on the public and kill people in mass and i'm looking at it like wait a minute Y'all yeah. haven't seen that that interview with, when Obama did the press conference in 2015? And he was yeah. like, in five years, it's going to be like a yeah. flu-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prepared for it as much as we can. And mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they but do. Years but, but if you notice, if you notice, even in speaking with that and bringing that up back in 2015, if you notice with uh, Trump. When he came in office, all those who were affiliated with dealing with that virus and all, right after he was uh, inaugurated, he fired all of those people. Yeah. He got rid of all of them because yeah. he didn't want to listen to that. He wanted to create his own mastermind and what he wanted to do about it. But what he did was he actually shot himself in the foot because those people were already in tune to everything that was going on and could give him direction and where he needed to go in order to prepare for this. Right. But he is so in tune to himself until he cannot listen to anyone else. It's not a part of him, it's not his persona. He rather listen to his own mind, which is very destructive, and he wants to spread that poison around the world. But what is happening is that it's backfiring right in his face. Okay. And it's and it's sad. But one thing I do want to acknowledge, we're in the process of, you know, talking about all the people that have passed away that we recognize as entertainers, but we mustn't forget all those who are working behind the scenes, the police, the medical, the nurses, the doctors, everyone that is working through this virus. I speak this speak about this on a personal note because my nephew had the coronavirus. He stayed in the hospital for seven days. And I thank God for the nurses, the doctors, everyone that was involved in helping him to recover from this. And I thank God for all those who have lost their lives because of this, because of their talents and trying to help save someone else but they actually lost their lives. Yeah. But we mustn't forget those behind the scenes. We mustn't forget those. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Uh, Patrice, I think, what were you about to say? I was just going to say, we have to remember, uh, again, everything is written, but also that there are patents. And whenever you have patents, you have, follow, you have to follow the money trail. And so you have to take politics, emotion, and all of that stuff out of it because it's so much bigger. Everything that we see, you know, everything that they tell us is not, that's not the information we need to know. We have to dig deeper and find out and peel the layers back and do our own due diligence and our own research. Everything that we see is just a script. It's just a play. It's just theatrics. Yeah. It's not, it's not, um... Yeah, that's that's interesting because uh, I think Mom, we were watching uh, um, what's his name, uh, Little Richard's interview, and he was speaking to that not to not to take what other people say, but do the research for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. he actually said that uh, in one in his interview with Arsenio Hall, which was interesting. I got in trouble for doing that too, Dave. He said what? In trouble for doing that too. For like speaking the truth, and formulating your own opinion on things. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's 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 repercussions for that too. So if you're not Following the the the, uh, the storylines of the news or the newspaper, and you do research and you do be like, hold up, I think what we're all focused on 
is wrong, then you get ridiculed for doing yeah, that, yeah, for yeah, doing your yeah, own research. Like you, and, and, and I think Little Richard kind of went through that, and that's why, you know, like I said, his, um, you know, his persona became somewhat of a joke. You know, so people yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't take his uh, his words as seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I would be remiss if I did not have these three great mothers here. We have access to all of this wisdom and knowledge. I have to ask some <laughs> some some motherly questions and specific things to you guys. So I want to start um, with the three ladies. I just want to know, in your opinion, um, where do babies come from? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but, uh, well, if you don't know by now, son, I'm not about to hey, tell you. don't have no kids, so he, he may not know. No. I <laughs> yeah, I'm the only person on here with no babies. But, um, but yeah, but uh, uh, to the mothers, I just want to, um, uh, a, a couple of friends of mine and I have had this conversation. It's like an ongoing conversation that we have that we talk about about um i'm using one of patricia's terms a shift in the uh and <laughs> and you know kind of um uh the mindset of of mothers over the last maybe 15 to 20 years and how uh we remember a time when you know a person would have a child and it would change their whole life you know uh, a lot of things that they were doing they wouldn't do or or just just make changes to be more accommodating and, and basically dedicating themselves and their lives to, to that child's um, growth and knowledge and things. And, and I've seen a lot of, of, of moving away from that. Um, uh, the conversation came about uh, one night, a friend of mine, my boy Rob, he used to be a bouncer. And so um, sometimes uh, he would need a ride to and from the club that he bounced at, so I would hang out with him. And we're sitting in Denny's one night after the club. It had to be like 3 o'clock in the morning, and there's a young girl there, and she had a baby with her. And the baby's screaming at the top of his lungs, crying. And every mother in there is saying, that baby's tired. He needs to go to bed. He needs to be at home somewhere in the bed. And she's just sitting there eating. And somebody said something to her. And she's like, oh, no, it's okay. I just ignore him. And she went on eating. And it's uh, kind of that perception that, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, that, that I've seen more recently that some mothers have that, you know, you still have to live your life and do your thing and be, you know, everything that, uh, you know, you used to be before you were a mother. And um, I just, I've always, you know, like I said, we've had this conversation for a while and I've always wanted to get some, some, some true mother's perspective on this. So, uh, <laughs> so I want so to, what, what, ex- what exactly is your question? You know what? Jason says that a lot to me anyway, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you know, I like to set up. I like to set it up and set the scene for everything. But um, do you do you notice a shift in the mentality of parents these days, as opposed to let's say when you became a parent? Joey, did you want to start, or I can? No, there absolutely has been a shift. But for for me, my example was my mother, mm. and she set yeah. the example for me, and mm. so I had to try to live up to the example that she set. Mm, right. So part of the problem is that you know our young people are just having children and they don't have an example. Right. So many things have come against our community and they don't have an example to follow. And so it's all about them. It's not about sacrifice. Love is um, is an emotion, but the important part of love is sacrifice. Mm. When you will suffer yes for your children. And that what is missing a lot in the mother today. They're not willing to sacrifice for their children. Mm. Exactly. All right. But the, difference, but the difference that I see right now, and I'm not sure about how all of it is, is transpiring, but because of the coronavirus, 
And because of the schools being closed and the children being home, there is a somewhat different attitude of the parents. You know, we sit back and, because and, um, I know I worked in the school system for seven years and I know how the parents presented themselves to the, uh, the school administration when something was going on with their child. The first thing they would do was jump on the administration. But now that a lot of the parents have been home with their children for the past couple of months, they are realizing and seeing the difference in their children and their own attitudes about their children. They are now getting a feel of what a lot of the teachers and the administration have had to deal with with their children. Now they're going to have to deal with it themselves. And they're now becoming more in tune with their children and going back to school where you had your children at home. You were there with them. You would sit around the table and eat together. You would study with the children. You would teach them to do their chores and, and things that you would have them to do now. It's a big difference. And it's a shame that it took this coronavirus to bring people back to the reality of family. Okay. People have been missing the reality of family because everyone was in, in an individual mind. Oh, I have to work. I have to do this. They come home, their children are home, they come in from aftercare, uh, have your dinner, do your homework, take your bath, go to bed. That's the only time that they have for their children, but now it's an all-day thing, and it makes a big difference. I know a lot of parents have thanked teachers now, since this thing has been going on, of what they had to put up with, with their children. Now they're putting up with them now, and they realize, and hopefully, prayerfully, when everything clears up and these kids get back to school, I pray that there will be a different attitude with I the children so. and the parents when they get back into the school system. I, I think so, definitely. And that's an interesting point. I saw um, a bumper sticker the other day that said, uh, the teacher lied, my child is not a joy to be around. And it was a funny bumper sticker to a certain extent, but it got me to think, it got me to thinking like, this bumper sticker is weird because what does that say about you as a parent? Like whose responsibility is it to make sure your child is a joy to be around? It's yours, right? So that you probably shouldn't, that wasn't the smartest, you know, uh, bumper sticker to have because it speaks to, you know, uh, uh, the person's ability as a parent. So yeah, I definitely but agree. It's a reality check. Yeah, it's a reality yeah, you get check, to really see you know? what your kids are like, and that's that's uh, that's been an interesting aspect of it. Um, Absolutely. I, I want to ask. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say and piggybacking piggybacking on what um, Joey said. You know, it is the foundation of of your of the grandparents, mm -hmm. uh, your parents. You know, our parents who taught us so much about being parents and what the responsibility is and the sacrifices that we make for our children. And I too thank God for my parents for what they did. Um, there's a lot that transpires through life, but we learn as we go. And we have to understand that some rules, some regulations are meant to be followed. And if it means going back in time to old school, we gotta do it. Okay. Yeah, and Miss Miss Joy, I think you were gonna make a point. Did you have something to say? 
No, I was just agreeing with what you were saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So, Patrice, uh, you're a young mother. What's up I, with you? I, yeah, I, I was about so to much ask her. Yeah. So I want to go ahead. So look, this might take a second, but I'll be 44 my birthday, and my my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my parents yeah. were together for 43 years. Mm-hmm. Um, my mentality and my thinking is is a lot different, and I, I don't really talk about it, but I'm gonna take this moment to talk about it. Where we where we are going right now, you know, the parents being home with the children. We are literally being forced into survival mode, but we're also being forced into being in a space where, honestly, we should have been in. Um, My dad used to talk about this all the time, and it's why my mother stayed at home with three children. And, and not everybody would agree with this, but this is, I'm just telling you how my dad moved. He was real old right. school, real old yes. school. And yes, he believed he just like back in the day before the feminist movement, before the white women and the feminist movement, and it, you know, broke up in the civil rights movement, all that, that the woman take care of the kids. And he went out, he made the bread and my mother was his backbone and they worked mm-hmm. together as a unit. Mm-hmm. And that's how they stayed together. And you know, we, we didn't know we didn't have it great. Sometimes we didn't have light. Sometimes we used the stove right. to heat the house. Right. But we were a family. And mm-hmm. if we didn't have lights, we still sat at the table with a candle yes. with a flashlight. Exactly. And we ate. If we ate oodles mm-hmm. and noodles, sometimes we had steak, you know, but yeah. <laughs> But it, we were a family, we're together. So what people are experiencing that experiencing now, I'm I'm looking at my I'm looking at social media and I'm looking at these people can, complaining about their children. Yeah. And I'm like, don't y'all know that your children can see you? <laughs> okay. Like they can see you talking badly. Like mm-hmm. I would that's 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 a sticker that you just said, Dave, made me cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, what if my son saw that? Mm-hmm. I would feel terrible. Like and we also have to realize that our children are being pulled out of being social. Yes. They're they're having to digitally connect mm-hmm. uh, a, a one dimensional connection with their their deepest mind and their deepest spirit and not be around their friends like yeah. it's just so much going on right now but, but my point back to my point we're being placed we're placed in this space where that the, now the woman is in the home now yes. she has to help with homework now mm-hmm. she, look and she has to cook i know so yes. many friends that don't cook uh, they're like how do you cook what you're 40 something how do you not know how to cook are you serious yeah. right now? Like everybody's yeah. trying to go out, they're trying to Uber eat and, and then I'm like, why would you want to Uber eat and you think it's a daily virus out here? You got somebody else putting their hands in the food. Exactly. Like, I, could, I could go way left, but <laughs> um, my point is uh, to your point about sacrifice that um uh, Jay's mom. I'm sorry, so Jay's mom. Um, <laughs> um to your point about sacrifice. So I'll just share this little bit. Uh, yesterday for my Mother's Day, it was the best Mother's Day I've ever had, and I'm gonna try not to cry because I'm gonna try to cry. Yet. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Let it flow. Uh, <laughs> my son is 14 now. Um, when he was when he was eight or so, me and his dad split up, but it was a very abrupt 
split. Um, I had, you know, 30 days to find a place. So I essentially didn't have a place and he went his way and I went mine. So I was homeless for like a year and a half. And my mom said to me, I said, she said, you knew you could have came here, but um, Miss Cookie, as you know, my mom lives too far. I couldn't do business and live in Richmond. And so I had to hustle and I had hotel rooms. Sometimes we were in a car, Um, but he was also with his dad. So he was with both of us. His dad has always been in his life, but we were split and we were in different households. He had his household, but I didn't have a house to be in. So he was with me. So yesterday for Mother's Day, um, so we used to live in this basement, but it was like a teeny tiny room. The basement, right. our room was so small that the mattress took up the whole room and we could okay. only like, we had this little, and so he te- he texted me and told me he had something that he made me for Mother's Day, but he was going to show me the next day. So yesterday he called and he FaceTimed me and he um, had put together a PowerPoint slide. Oh, show. wow. Yeah. And it was a picture, it was pictures of us. And one of the most powerful slides, he said, um, he said, I'm so proud of you. He said, um, I'm proud of you because we used to be in that basement and you got out of that basement and you got your own business and you got your own place and you got your own car. And most people would have stayed in that basement, but you didn't. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for that. And he said it. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. And I did That's it with right. no. I did it with no government assistance, no child support, none right. of that. I wanted. Right. To, I wanted him to see that you mm-hmm. you have to use your innate greatness and tap into your power and, yeah. and be great. And so I sacrificed so much. Some days I didn't eat. It was times I didn't eat for weeks. Mm. And. Yeah. I wanted to make sure he was okay. So right. that loves and I, I, I cried and he laughed so hard. He's like, Ma, you're such a cringe ball. Told <laughs> you. <laughs> but you know, your children will touch the deepest part. Your children will touch the deepest part of your heart mm-hmm. and bring out and bring out the most memorable things. Yeah. And they see it one way, but you see it another. But you both reached the same point, yeah. and it's so appreciative. And the thing is, you love him for what he did. He didn't have to oh, do that. Oh, so amazing! But he so did amazing. that, you know. But that's why, you know, I tell people, you know, they they celebrate Mother's Day in May, but every day is Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, every definitely. And so I want to, um, you know, uh, let me see what uh, we got some time left. Okay, I want to start with Patrice. And um, ask this question to all of the mothers. Um, uh, first of all, you know, being a mother is a huge undertaking. Um, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you, that motherhood has taught you about life, about yourself, um, about just just living life? Um, the biggest lesson that I've learned is that Motherhood has taught me to honor the art of being patient, being resilient, and trusting divine alignment. Because we we don't we don't actually know what's going to happen, and we don't have a blueprint. Um, we only can use um, to Jay's mom's point. The, the toolbox that we've been given by our parents, 
Um, and and ha we have to learn not to run to uh, a book, uh, a guideline, or others to try to figure out how to parent. And we have to talk to our ancestors and really tap into our innate greatness and our ability um, to tap into our 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 um, that powerful, powerful, powerful feminine energy. Yeah. Um, that is what gets us through. And there were moments I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go somewhere real quick in my mind. I can see it. I remember when I would drive um, and I would try to figure out where me and my son were gonna sleep or what I was gonna do, how we were gonna get a hotel room. And I would be driving and I had this habit that I developed and I, was, I would grind my teeth because I was so intensely <laughs> thinking. But what I was really doing, like, at the time my dad had passed and I was tapping into that energy, like, you know, all of the things that he taught me and all of the things that my mom taught me and really trusting that and trying to figure out what my next move would be, but still side, like making sure that side by side with the divine alignment and making sure I'm doing this and I'm not here and there and everywhere. Right. Um, so I would say those things, you know, really trusting um, trusting that, trusting that that inner voice, that innate greatness, that feminine energy, and and having um, patience um, and knowing and speaking that everything will be okay. That's great. That's yeah. great. And uh, uh, Miss Joey, uh, you know, um, what's the the biggest lesson you've learned from uh, from motherhood? Continue to trust in the Lord. And um, I really tap into heavily into prayer. And um, my my son has been quite a challenge. And, um, <laughs> that guy, no, no. <laughs> my, my son has been quite a challenge. And so you know, he has challenged me to look within myself too, mm -hmm. and uh, to really just to hold on to the Lord, and to um, and perseverance. Like uh, Patrice was saying, you know, perseverance and really not giving up and um, not giving up and not giving in. Mm -hmm. There it is. <laughs> you sound like my mom. She says I like <laughs> <laughs> do. Like, like your mom, Patrice. Uh -huh. <laughs> and mom, hey, real, quick, real quick, all of up? us, all of us went to Our Lady, too. Oh wow! Yeah, all the parents kind of like have a similar <laughs> idea of what they right. thought they wanted their kids to be. Right. Yeah. We, were, we were looking for divine guidance. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, mom, do you have any? Uh, you know, uh, have anything to add to the uh, what motherhood taught you conversation? Well, it's it actually taught me a lot because I became a mother before I became a mother. Uh, the reason why I say this is because um, um, May is a trying month for me because on, uh, especially Memorial Day, because my father passed 1968 on Memorial Day and then my husband passed in 2012 on Memorial Day. So wow. it makes it difficult, but speaking back in 1968, when my dad passed, um, my mom became very sick. She has six children, and we were staying with my grandparents. 
But in the midst of that, I had to grow up really fast. And in growing up really fast, I had to become a parent before I became a parent by helping to take care of my brothers and sisters. And uh, what really kicked in was at the time when I was in high school, um, it taught me about motherhood and parenting. And I thank God for that because it instilled in me a lot that taught me how to raise my children. And um, even with my brothers and sisters today, this is 2020, my brothers and sisters still call me and ask my advice as if I am their mom. Mom passed in 2015, but I'm like mom now. And it has instilled a lot in me. And I have got more children than I could ever have birthed in life. <laughs> because everyone turns to me, call me even from church. They, you know, the kids are calling me and talking with me and getting maternal advice. But I thank God for that instillment that he put in me to be a guiding point for others and how they do their children. And um, in teaching me, it taught me to love. It taught me to be strong. It taught me to be um, a guiding force to be able to control and, and do what I need to do in my mind to make things right for my children. And I don't regret not one moment of anything that has happened in my life because it is still helping me to grow, to continue to be a better parent, even to my grandson. So, you know, you, you, you have a power within you that God instills, and he gives you many gifts, and one of them is parenting. And through that, we pass it on down to our grandchildren, which Joy understands, which she has her grandchildren too and it's a wonderful thing it's a wonderful thing being a parent you don't know unless you're a parent not that i'm pushing anything david but anyway um, i'll be pushing it for you mr <laughs> ask him i'll be on him mr <laughs> but it's a joy it's a joy to my heart and then listening to patrice and all that she went through you should have called me but anyway, um, I'm glad that everybody has gone through what they have gone through because we wouldn't be here together today to be able to talk about this without experiencing what we did in life with and without our children. So to God be the glory for everything that has transpired in our lives. Definitely, definitely. Mom, I just want to real quick, do you need that? I saw the, uh, the, the plumbing, is that... Done. Is that okay? Is he still there? He's still he's still rolling with it. You know, okay. I see him coming in and out. So you okay. know, I haven't jumped up and ran because nothing has exploded. We're okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to two real quick things. One thing I started to talk about um, uh, CNBC had done a poll. And they poll, they always say they poll like American public, but I don't know who they, they never ask me any questions. But anyway, um, they poll some American men and women um, about the roles of men and women uh, in the household and how they've shifted and, and kind of adjusted over the years. And uh, let me see if I can pull up this uh, this picture here to talk about the, the poll a little bit. Yeah, I, well, you know, I like to take notes and be prepared. I've, <laughs> 
So I'm not helping you know. While you pulling that up, I just want to This is part of our show. Like, the, the me and Dave bickering is what yeah. keeps our viewers tuning in. I, use, yeah. I tell people I tell people we've known each other so long that we bicker like an old married couple. But uh, <laughs> Hey, hold, hold on there. Hold on. Paul, hey, it's, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke, mama. That's the friends, okay? It's a joke, mama. Is this a joke? <laughs> but just, just to, to piggyback on Patrice one more time, is that even though her mom was a stay-at-home mom, so was I. <laughs> Excuse me. I was a stay-at-home mom until my kids went to high school. And mm-hmm. then I kind of ventured out into the world. But um, I was still there for my kids, and I'm still here. You know, sometimes I wish that I would change my name, but it, it doesn't work that way. Mm. So I just, you know, <laughs> grin and bear it. I just grin and bear it because I still have some little things that Ivan and David and Lawrence do in this house that Ivan and David used to do when they were small in this house. You gotta so tell I'm not going to go business. into detail. <laughs> I'm not going to go into detail, but David knows what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. But uh, I don't know what happened to my picture. But basically, he was talking about the shift in the roles, and and the poll was saying that um, men. Have, have taken over a lot of the roles that were that used to be specifically or, or thought of as as more of the, the women specific. And I don't think that there's any specific gender roles to a certain extent anymore. It's like whoever is better at, at you know, doing certain things, things like washing dishes, washing clothes, cooking, uh, cleaning, things of that nature. Um, and do you that's think why that, dating's hard. You said that's why dating's <laughs> hard. <laughs> so yeah. do you, so Patrice, do you the think whole that mixture. Yeah, do you think that that shift in gender roles has affected? Well, I guess you are saying that's why that's why it's harder. Do you think that's that's, that's made it difficult? I wouldn't say difficult. It's um, it's just, it's a diff, it's different. It's um, it's like uh, you know, just like you know, if we talk about you know the emasculation of the black man, and we go into all of that, and you know, whole the whole feminism. Um, it rolls over into every aspect of, of living, including dating and, and partnerships. So it's, it's um, and, and many people, um, because, I mean, in actuality, most people are followers and not leaders. Everybody adopts the thinking. And it's just like, it's hard to have conversations because um, not everybody is still old-fashioned. Like, I'm very old-fashioned. I'm the same. I don't think that time should shift the way that your your morals and your beliefs, I don't think time should, should shift that. Time doesn't shift that for me. So mm-hmm. I still right. feel the same way, the same way your mom is saying, like I, I still have the same thinking. So I, I definitely do it. I think it is, it does um, play a part. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and I, um, <laughs> so the, everybody that comes on here, I usually ask them one question to wrap it up and I'm gonna pose the question to our, to our two moms that are here. Um, <laughs> And I'm going to start with uh, Miss Joey. I'm going to ask you, um, if you had an opportunity, um, knowing everything you know now, you know, going through everything you've been through in, in your life, if you had an opportunity to go back in time and talk to, uh, let's say, a 12-year-old you, if you had, could get in a time machine and go back and talk to yourself at 12 years old and uh, have a conversation with yourself, what would that conversation be like? What kind of things would you tell that young lady? Well, I would tell that young lady one thing. I was raised to, um, I, I never learned how to cook or anything. My mother 
of raised me because she was a great cook and a great housewife, and she did not want me to do any of those things. She mm. wanted me to uh, work in the office. And I, I've never learned how to cook. I still mm. don't. My husband does all the cooking. He's always done all the cooking. Oh, That's why I married him. Okay. Uh, I would go back. <laughs> <laughs> lucky you, lucky you. I, <laughs> I would go back and say, Joy Lane, you need to learn how to do some of these domestic things. No. You know, because my mother was so great at it, and you know, she never taught me, but she never wanted me to learn. To learn. and I would just say, you know, that you know, you're gonna grow up, and you're gonna, you know, your mother is your is your. Is, your, is going to be your greatest influence in your life, mm. and watch her closely, mm. because it, which I did do. But I would go back and say that because I've never been a domestic, never, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I would like to, you know, do more of that. But you know, once you hit seventy, hey, that's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. My my dad was the cook. My mom didn't. My dad was the cook. My dad, Your dad was the cook too. Yeah, he taught me how to make gravy from um, gravy from scratch, and so my dad was the cook. My mom, that's, she does her thing now, but she 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 that was his thing. <laughs> and and my mom used to like hey it's funny because uh my mom was kind of like uh miss joy you were saying about your mom she's like a great cook and a great housemate yeah. but she also like catered and did things cooking with the church and stuff so she cooked so much she would have me and my brother she like i'm not cooking when i get home y'all get in there and make some eggs or make something so we had to learn you know how to you know so we had to pick up those cooking skills um, well, well, you know, it was good but it gave you an opportunity to learn things too because um Growing up, I, I I mean, okay, going back to what you said, let me go back to that first. Uh, I was talking to my 12-year-old self. Um, okay. I, don't, I don't know what exactly I would say to myself um, because everything was, being the oldest girl, everything was put in my lap. So um, I would just say just pace yourself, you know, because so many things are going to, transpire in your life that's going to affect you when you get older and that you will be able to handle whatever situation comes up in your life and uh, always trust in the word of God and know that he's your guiding force. I think that will be the the thing that I would say because with having um, younger siblings and being the oldest girl, I had a lot of responsibility. Because like I said, um, I was 12 actually when, almost 12, when my dad passed. So a lot fell on me at that time. Um, I wish things had been different. I wish that my dad had lived, you know, to see all his children grow up and see everything. But I always think, my brothers and sisters, we always said that if dad had lived, things would have been different in our lives, which I know he would have been so proud of us and and Mm. helped us a lot. But... I, I really wouldn't change uh, a thing in my life um, or to guide myself in another direction. I would stay the course and, and do what I have done and thankful that I did it because mm. it has given me insight to give to others. So um, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm going to end it with um, uh, this is a, a unique opportunity. We have, um, you know, all this wisdom here. And, and we have, um, you know, uh, Patrice, who, as you've heard, her son is, is 14. And so uh, do you ladies have any words of advice for her raising? Because you both, you both raised boys. 
you know, into yes, men. I'm, and she's I'm, on that path right yeah. now. And so, um, is there any gems that you can give her? And, you know, when speaking this, you know, of course, our viewers will see it. And so it'll be helpful to, you know, a lot of folks. So is there anything that you can give her, you know, at this time? And no pressure, of course, but uh, you got to say something. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> Love your child in spite of, okay? Love them in spite of because there are going to be times that you want to just slap him on both sides of his face to wake him up. But, you know... Um, just love him. That's the yes, thing. Is just love him unconditionally and be patient with him because yes, he's still got a lot of maturing to do and a lot of things to learn. But your guidance is the main thing that he needs right now is your guidance and just being there as a support. That's what yes, he ma'am. needs. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, baby, trust in the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. He will guide Absolutely. You. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, this has been a I great. Love you all, Jason. I have yeah. to say this. Um, oh. as, as your mom started out, you know that you were a handful. Yes, I do know that because you were one of my wards here at my house. Yeah. I took you. And, and yes, Dave, you Dave didn't even remember that. Dave didn't even remember that. Yeah, I was like, really? Yeah. But I was really you young back then. By yourself because you, Ivan, and David were the three musketeers or the three students. I don't know yeah, which one, it. okay? Ma, I hear the, I I hear the helicopter. It sounds like your ride is coming. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> can, I one, can I come one day and listen to some stories from oh, you guys? Course, you that know, might that, be interesting. Look, I want you know, my, day door day is, my door is always open. My door is okay. always open, okay? <laughs> I don't know. We might have to. Jay, we gotta lock them doors. We can't let them. Because I'm, so, I, I, I'm so young. I don't even remember all of this bad stuff they right. saying I was doing. I don't. I don't recall that. You have, you have at this point selective amnesia. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, nah, hold up, hold up. By the time you started babysitting me, I was what six. I was six because I was at Islands Art till five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so Miss Cookie yeah. babysitting me probably like six and maybe seven. I don't remember. I, you know, I, I didn't want me to. Oh, well, that's, your, done that that's your excuse. Don't listen, don't listen to these lying mothers <laughs> destroy my <laughs> reputation. I said the three of you now. You, you weren't in this all by yourself. It was the three of you. You like I blame I said, Ivan because he's not here. Let's blame <laughs> Ivan. He's the only one not on the call. Right. Ivan's phone. Oh, he did. He did. I agree. I did that yeah. a lot growing up. I blame my brother. So. That's it. No, but, uh, but yeah, I just want to, um, first of all, I want to uh, thank my mom and Jay, your mom, Miss Green, for coming and uh, being a part of this Mother's Day uh, show that we did and um, and just sharing your, your stories and your wisdom and your joy. It's always um, great to be in y'all's presence, you know, and, and I really appreciate you all agreeing to do it. Thank you so much. And uh, Patrice, go ahead. What you got? I, I just want to say something really quick. It's real 30 seconds. Um, to both of you ladies, um, you queens, I just want to thank you because I enjoy um, receiving a word from my elders, and um, I appreciate um, all of the tips that you gave and, and everything that you brought to the conversation. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you for family. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you for family. Yes. yes. Family. Yes, ma'am. Hey, Dave. Dave. Yo. My mom was like, my mom was like, I want to meet Patrice. 
Yeah. Everybody feels like that. Yeah, yeah. You got that infectious spirit. Yeah, you got to come through one day. Yeah, we got we all can hang out at some point. And uh, and, and Patrice, gotta, I wanted. We got a set. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Stories. Well, definitely. I, want to, I want to see you in person, baby. Okay. She's social distancing, mom. Oh, yeah, well, okay. After everything's over, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. It may, be, it may be social distancing, but it's not that distant, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of respect where everybody's at with it, so whatever people are comfortable with. See, Patrice, they're, they're becoming afraid, very afraid, okay? I wanted to say also, um, you know, thank you for sharing your story uh, like that. Uh, you know, there's always the potential that somebody could be watching it, going through, going through or about to go through the same thing that you go through. And oh, yeah. uh, the, the testimony, and you know, I say it to you often that I look at you as a superhero because of some of the stuff that you've done, not even knowing that part of the story until now. But um, but yeah, that, it's yeah. beautiful that you were able to share that because, you know, that testimony can definitely help others and give guidance and to see that you came out on the other side and you are, you know, running a successful business. And like you said, you came from that basement and now you have a place to stay. You have a roof over your head. That's you have right. a car. You have a business. So you got all that. It's, it's, yeah, so that's, that's real powerful. I'm, yeah. I'm so very thankful. Every day I walk in gratitude and love. I, I, I walk in abundance. Like right now, I don't really know. What's, we, none of us really know what's going to happen, you know. But you right. got to walk in, in abundance and love and gratitude. Um, and, and so that's... You know, that's kind of, that's how I run my business. My business is that. It's that's beyond. Great. That's great. Yeah, that's right. so. yep. Never, yep. never, never take life for granted. Okay? Yep. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, all right. I love well, that, you all. I love Yeah, all that's a great you. way to wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much. On <laughs> hold, up, hold up, baby. Well, what up, you got, baby. Jay? What you got? We got another, another call-in joint by someone, most of us, now I don't know if you know him, Miss Cookie, but Timothy James, who oh, me, Patrice, and my mother know. <laughs> Oh, okay. His comment is, teach them lessons that will arm them for the world. Having raised in one of my sons since he was three months, he has grown into his own identity. Yet he does value and apply some of my teachings. All yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Tim. Excellent. All right. Yes. Salute, yes. Tim. Salute. Shout out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, guys. With that, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, like I said, thank you guys so much for uh, coming through. On behalf of my team, myself, Super Dave, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, Patrice, Fruitfit Jones, and Jason, the DMV's, na I keep saying DMV's, DC's native son, and Jason, the SE3 representer, and our hey. mommies. Thank you guys for <laughs> checking us out. You guys have a great one. This has been another episode of Neighborish. Peace. Bye. Peace. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.